It's time to check in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. We take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. The Concierge for Better Living will help informed, intrigued, and interested listeners like you make better choices for yourselves and your loved ones. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Concierge for Better Living with your host, Doc Rob. Hello and good day. This is Dr. Rob Streisfeld. Doc Rob, your host, Concierge for Better Living here at CannabisRadio.com, all over the airwaves, and uh, just great to be with you again today. You know, Days are moving fast for some, slow for others, but no matter what, you got to get up and make the best of it. And I'm grateful for you guys joining us, whether you're hearing this as an archive or freshly off the box. It's wonderful to have my guest today. I will say a friend, a dear friend, uh, Dustin Robinson. Thank you for coming on the show. It's been a while. Hope you're doing well. Great to have you. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. I know we've been working together for quite some time, so I'm finally, I'm happy to finally jump on the show and uh, have this discussion. Yeah, no, it's, it's wonderful. It's, we have a lot of good offline conversations about the industry, about this different topics. I know when we first started to get together, we were connected with your interest in cannabis, um, CBD, as it was coming into Florida, or where you practice law, um, and you know, was just wanting to be educated. And I think that was the first step that impressed me was you weren't just trying to get in the game. You wanted to understand the scenario, the understanding the industry real well, who the players were, the nuances. And I gave you the hard, cold facts, to, I think, in, 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 is what you wanted. Uh, not make it all, it's gravy, it's wonderful, it's a miracle cure. No, there's a hard struggle for this industry. And then you took it to the next level. I'll just be honest with you. You just took it from there and ran with it, and you're everywhere. I mean, Mr. Cannabis Law um, has been branded so well. You've been on all the different trade shows, conferences, boards. I, I admire it. You've been really hustling and making it happen. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. And yeah, like, I mean, I give credit to all the different people that, that have helped me along the way, especially you, people like you who are, who are doctors and understand things from more of a, a scientific and, and medical perspective uh, definitely gave me a lot of education very early on. And, you know, I've always felt very comfortable from a legal perspective. I understand law. I understand how it applies, but with an evolving industry like we have, um, it's really important for any attorney that, that really wants to be very involved in this industry to understand other aspects beyond law, because we're creating the law as, as we go along. And, and if you don't understand how these products work, um, what the medicinal value of them is, what the therapeutic value is, what the risks are of these, these products and these substances, if you don't understand all that stuff as a lawyer, and yet you're you're lobbying for a certain legal reform where you're trying to represent a client uh, and, and advise them from a strategic perspective. You're just not able to provide the, the full scope of services. So I, I have a tremendous amount of gratitude for, for people like you who I met very early on and, and were able to educate me way beyond just the legal aspects of the industry, but, but really the, the history of it. The chemistry, the science, the therapeutic value, the risks, the obstacles, all those things are just extremely important to understand in this industry. And uh, I just want to thank you and, and I appreciate you and, and everyone else that kind of helped me along the way. 
No, I mean, you've built a, an amazing network, you know, within Florida as, and beyond. Um, and as you said, of all types of professionals and patients and, you know, doctors and licensees and, you know, and, you know store owners trying to understand all the regulatory facets of it. Um, to me, I always laugh because it was like when I went to a major uh, scientific research conference with PhDs and researchers on cannabis, and you go and ask them, and probably 15 to 20% of them actually had experimented or used cannabis. But meanwhile, they're studying it, but they had no reference to it. So, their ref- so a lot of their research was actually set up wrong. Set up wrong from the get-go because they didn't really understand the compound. They didn't understand the plant. They didn't understand the nuance and how it played into society. They were looking at it as a widget, and they were just studying it for a widget. You know, and I just it, they lost a lot because of that. And I know that you, you know, you definitely want to see the holistic picture around this plant, around all types of drugs, which were you know, and, and plant medicines and fungal medicines and all these different components that are now hitting us in a mainstream way. Um, so it's really great to have that background. So. Yeah, and I mean, I think kind of what you're touching on is that it's important for people to understand that there are several different channels and uses for cannabis. There's certainly the the pharmaceutical uh, approach, which you know I think is down down the road going to be further developed as there's more clinical trials and more FDA approved substances that are consisting of you know different cannabinoids. Uh, there's the dietary supplement approach. There's there's the recreational uses of it. Um, And then there's just the health and wellness aspect of it. So I think once the industry starts understanding that it's not, you know, one or the other, um, you know, all these different channels could coexist with one another. And a lot of the regulatory frameworks are already set up for, for, you know, the pharmaceutical industry, for the dietary supplement industry, for, for health and wellness products. So, you know, we have a lot of this infrastructure uh, already set up. And I think it's important to kind of acknowledge that there, there's many different channels, many different opportunities, and the cannabinoids within a, the plant are just, just an ingredient. And, you know, definitely you taught me that very early on, you know, the cannabis plant is, has, has a lot of different cannabinoids. And, and once we start looking at these from just a, a food perspective or, or a formula perspective, there's just various different ingredients, whether it be CBD, CBG, CBN, Delta-8, Delta-9. These are all just ingredients. And of course, you have, have the entourage effect if you're using a product with, with full spectrum. Um, but once I think I think the food industry really starts to understand that these are ingredients, I think we'll start to see the, the industry develop quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's my focus on the food side. When you say health and wellness, I think nutritional attributes of this plant, and I don't mean just you know, and I put my finger quotes up, marijuana or high THC cannabis, but we're talking about hemp varieties as well. Um, there's been nutritional benefits of hemp seed oil and hemp seed protein and hearts and other, you know, aspects of this for many years, coming my background in natural health. I always look at it recently, I was reading an article about turmeric and curcumins. And people are like, isn't that the same thing? And I'm like, well, curcumin and, and, and curcuminoids are the compounds found in turmeric. So it's similar to the cannabinoids or CBD that you find in cannabis. And it's like, but we're all consuming, we want curcumin from a health perspective, anti-inflammatory properties, but we eat turmeric. It's been traditionally in cultures in India and diets for thousands of years. It's as it heralds, you know, plant medicine. So this isn't so difficult. We're not starting or reinventing the wheel from scratch. We're just applying it to this challenged plant, which from a legal standpoint is probably been improperly challenged or or listed as a controlled substance for way too many years. Um, 
But also when we started talking, it wasn't even about the consumption side of the plant. It was the utilization of hemp for building materials and hempcrete and other things, because that's a whole nother component that I think a lot of people forget about. And we talked about that in the early days here in Florida, as the industry starts to evolve, that people need to look at all different facets of the utilization of cannabis, hemp derived or otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, very early on, I got very excited about some of the other uses of hemp. And I actually had one client where I, I was building out a, a, a financial model. In addition to being an attorney, I'm a CPA. So I, I do do some financial modeling for clients as well. And we were building out a financial model um, for for basically, essentially it was like a hempcrete kind of play. Um, and, and really what I found was the economics are just very, very challenging. And so I spent, you know, months kind of researching the different uses and getting all excited and and seeing that we could use this for for building products, textiles, pretty much almost anything, furniture. I mean, you, you name it, hemp could be used for. But once I started building out the, the financial model, put all the formulas in and hit enter and kind of saw how it all rolled down, um, I realized the challenge that the, uh, the, the, the industry has with respect to um, the non-cannabinoid uses of this plant. So I'm still very hopeful. And, and you know, I definitely want to see those uses uh, come together. But right now, the supply chain infrastructure is just not there. And it's going to require a tremendous amount of capital and time uh, to, develop, to develop that that framework for products that are derived from hemp that aren't necessarily trying to use it for its uh, its flour or for its oil, but for its fiber instead and for, for, the, for the herd that it has and, and the fibrous parts of the plant. So I'm hopeful, but, but also uh, I, I warn people that are trying to get into that parts of the industry that it is definitely going to be challenging from an economics perspective. I think that's nail on the head right there, but I think any aspect of this industry, if you go in there not expecting it to be challenging, <laughs> and then you're going to be, you're not in this in the right headspace. You have to go in, no matter what category you're in, in the cannabis space right now, and realize there are challenges that are going to hit you left and right. If they think this is an easy, let's make some quick money kind of attitude, you're not in the right space. You shouldn't even be, you know, dabbling in this industry. Oh my God. You have no idea how many people I've explained that to. You're right. I oh, mean, I even, <laughs> even in the CBD side of things, I mean, people think they're going to start a, a e-commerce CBD website or, or open up a retail store or, or build a CBD brand. And I, I think I've probably convinced more people to not get into the industry than I've convinced people to get into the industry because there is a lot of financial challenges. This is not just a cash cow that you start the company and you're going to make, you know, billions of dollars. There are challenges um, for any startup. You have challenges. I mean, I've previously getting into cannabis. I worked with a lot of different startups and, you know, running a business and starting it is tremendously difficult. But then there's an additional layer of complexity when you're a cannabis business, whether it's it's hemp or marijuana. Right. There are just a tremendous amount of obstacles you need to overcome. So that's a lot of what I do early on in my engagements with clients is kind of managing those expectations and explaining to them that this is this is not an easy road to take. There's certainly tremendous opportunity in the in the companies that get set up properly and correctly and do the things they need to do, they, they could be wildly successful. Um, but it's, it's not the, uh, the cash cow that people think it is. And it, it's definitely a harder road than people expect. 
Yeah, so the, the realities of entrepreneurism, especially when it, when it comes to the cannabis. So well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back. This has been wonderful. We're just, just getting started. We're going to have a nice, long conversation with Dustin. There's so many things to talk about from the legal standpoint, the accounting standpoint, from just the hand, you know, deep down in the industry experience standpoint. So don't go anywhere. This is Doc Rob, your host here at Concierge for Better Living. We'll be right back after this brief message. The Concierge for Better Living will continue in a moment. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, all right. And we are back. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. I love saying that one. Um, and we're here with my friend and associate and, and just passionate, you know, you know, advocate for the right way to do an industry like this, a health and wellness industry, a, a medical industry, uh, Dustin Robinson. Uh, Thanks again for being on the show with us today. We were talking about, you know, you talked to a lot of people with a accounting background and a legal background and, and, and startups are really, you know, interesting. But the biggest challenge is when you tell someone who's excited that they don't have a good idea or that it's not going to work the way they think or it's not as easy as, it, as you think it's going to be. I am the first person. I've been on both sides of that table. You know that personally. I've been the guy advising on formulation, on product development, on branding, on, it, on where the industry is going and been pretty spot on. And that doesn't, has not always earned me favor when I tell them it's not going the direction you want it to go in. Um, but there are also good opportunities where you see people with great ideas and great innovation and great opportunities to do something significant. So, you know, how is that balanced for you in the sense of you, you yourself being kind of an entrepreneur and involved in, in different aspects? What have been some of the, the, the blessings and some of the challenges? Yeah, I mean, as, as a service provider, um, you know, your job is to be open and honest with your client um, and kind of inform them of the not only the, the opportunities, but also the risks involved in what they're doing. Um, and so, yes, I've had a lot of clients that have come to me thinking that they have a, a billion dollar idea only to find out that there is a whole slew of companies doing exactly what they're doing. Uh, seems like every day I get a different deck uh, promoting that they have this unique water soluble technology that no one has. And, you know, it has more bioavailability and this, that, and the other. And, um, and that's where I, when I pull in guys like you and, and, and some of the science guys and, and the medical guys I work with to kind of, uh, do the due diligence and then understand if it's for real. And I would say 98% of them aren't for real. So it's challenging, you know, especially for investors, you know, I see tons of decks where, they're touting that they're vertically integrated or they have this new technology. And, and when you 
pull up the skirt or, or you know, pull down the curtain, you, you see that um, it's a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors and there's really not much there. So, you know, I think just educating as far as my clients go, it's just, you know, it's important to just educate them on, on where those opportunities are and what those risks are. And, and probably the biggest thing I do with a client in this industry is make a risk assessment because it's in, important for me to understand what is my client's risk tolerance um, right. in this industry. You know, there's, risks left and right. Um, you know, for example, with Delta 8 THC, um, you know, I've provided legal opinions and I'm working with several businesses looking to sell Delta 8 THC. Um, but if you are 100% risk adverse and you don't want to take any risks, your Delta 8 industry is probably not for you. Um, right. you should, you should work with other cannabinoids and, and maybe, you know, uh, a topical, which is less regulated, not yep. necessarily an edible. So, you know, there's different paths for different people. And a lot of the time, the path that, that I lead my clients on is dependent on what their risk tolerance is. That makes a lot of sense. And again, I know from, again, from being at the table with you, uh, meeting with, you know, investors and other business associates, just kind of discussing these things. For me, I went back to the drawing board after our conversations and I had to reinvent my whole model for my new business. And we redeveloped the whole model and had to really work at it for over a year, year and a half. And then even then with COVID hitting, I had to redo it again because my suppliers changed. I couldn't get certain things, materials, steel. I had to shift that. And people, if you're not capable or willing to do that, not persevere through those challenges, then don't do it. I hate to say it that way, but I mean, believe me, from a firsthand experience, like it's having the right people around you. Like you said, I, I mean, I have a great partner, you know, uh, in Lori and, and other partners that I work with. Um, but it, it hasn't been easy. And even for me, and I, you know I me, mean, I've come from the industry and, and it doesn't mean that it's easy just because you know it, you have to actually execute it. And I think that's something that you're very good at with that risk assessment, helping people realize where they're willing to go. You know, that's the thing. How much are you willing to go in? That, that old saying is a juice worth the squeeze, you know, like tell people, are, are you really into this? Or is this just something that you have an idea that you want to maybe play around with? You know, is this your future or, or a hobby for the moment? You know, and that's a really big thing to discern when you're talking to any clients. I do it on my end. I know you do it as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, the, like you mentioned, a lot of people get into this industry as one foot in, one foot out. They have a day job, but they're doing it as a hobby. And, you know, for those people, I generally don't, uh, I, I respectfully don't work for them mm -hmm. um, or with them because, you know, at the end of the day, this is an industry where you got to be all in on, on whatever project you're doing or else there's very low likelihood um, that you're going to have success. There's just so much saturation, so much competition. And, and, you know, through these conversations, it's important we distinguish between the, the challenges for the hemp businesses versus the marijuana businesses. Right. Very, very different and distinct challenges. But nonetheless, they both have their challenges. And, and, and really, I think the first thing I do with a client to actually, before anything, is really trying to figure out whether they want to be in the hemp or the marijuana industry. I get tons of calls from people that start off thinking that they want to be in the marijuana industry. But when they, once they understand what the, the hurdles are and the obstacles are, um, they come to find out that, that probably hemp is, is a safer route, safer route for them to take. And, you know, we try to build a business plan with them based on, on, on something related to hemp and, and maybe down the road in the future, build right. out the infrastructure with hemp so that eventually we could capitalize on marijuana once it becomes, uh, the, the, the legalization becomes more widespread and licenses become more accessible and, and not so expensive.
and the banking's available and all the other things that people need in order to run a business in a, in a successful manner. So, yeah, I mean, and, and that's part of what you were saying. It, it, let's dial in a little to Florida because I know that's been, you know, this has state has so much potential. Um, and then you still have some of this mess. You know, I just watched one of my states, Arizona, this year legalize adult use. And I've been a part of the medical, you know, you know, aspect of the medical program in Arizona for years. And I actually liked that Arizona had stayed medical as long as it did. It allowed a small state to really work with their licensees and work on, you know, their, their, their guidelines in Florida. You know, I remember we started early with, you know, we have Holly Bell, who's been doing a wonderful job trying to organize this, this crazy state, which is actually like five states in one depending on where you live. Um, you have this industrial hemp component that we have, you know, Nikki Fried and, and, and the agricultural department kind of involved with. So you have all this regulation and, and confusion. Then you have to take to, in consideration, it's Florida. How are you growing in this climate? How are you dealing with these weather factors? If a hurricane, if you do outdoor, you know, 50 acres and next, you know, and you have this tall hemp growing and before you can harvest in the fall, a hurricane comes in and wipes out your whole crop like, are people prepared for that? Like, these are things that a lot of times you don't think about even in the early days. It's been interesting having those conversations with, and I know you have, with the upper ops. I mean, and I say that the people that are making these decisions, and even there, they're still trying to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, on, on the hemp side, the businesses that I've seen that have been the most successful are businesses that understand two things. Number one, it's, it's businesses that have a really strong agricultural background. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are not people that just got into to growing hemp just because they were interested in hemp. They were... They're agricultural companies from generations and generations. Those are the guys that have the infrastructure already built out um, and the understanding and the human resources to get stuff done. So number one is is having a really strong ag background, not necessarily a a hemp ag background, but just a really strong ag background. And the second uh, thing that's important for success is is people that had realistic expectations of the economics and and budgeted accordingly. Mm -hmm. Um, People who, you know, I've seen people that are like, oh, we're going to make 200 grand in our first year, you know, farming, you know, 10 acres, and then we're going to scale up to 50 acres. And, you know, I'm like, all right, well, if you're budgeting to make that much money, you're going to run out of money very, very quickly. So, um, you know, the guys who I see making it in the long term are people who have realistic expectations of the economics They've built out realistic financial models and they've budgeted accordingly um, so that they aren't surprised at the end of the year when, you know, half their crop failed and they're losing tons of money. Oh, yeah. Now, this is this so many nuances. I mean, when you talk about, okay, so the agricultural guys are farming. Now they got to figure out who's going to process for them if they're going to, you know, want to extract it or, or break it down. Then there's, you know, the whole packaging issue. You know, what people had issues around the country getting the glass tincture bottles and the dropper tops all of a sudden when COVID hit because supply and shipping, most of that stuff came from Asia, China area. People don't realize, oh, what happens? You know, I dealt with it in a non cannabis related business. I have a co packer. My co packer shut down when COVID hit. Now, I, 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 how do I manufacture my product? My product's selling, but now I need to find a way to manufacture more of it. So people have to have these plan Bs in place, these you know, backups. And then, you know, it's just, it's a never-ending struggle. And I think that's kind of what I wanted to have you on in part to talk about. There are a lot of upsides, and we'll get to that after this next break. But um, I just wanted to really hit on the fact that we have experts like yourself and myself that work with clients all the time, work with amazing read-through business plans, financial models. And we see that, I don't know what the number is, maybe one or two out of 10, you feel really, really excited about. You know, it's like the majority of them are, I, I want them to work for these people. You know, there's no negative personally, but business-wise, you got to kind of 
pull the, 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 the rug out from under them a little bit and be honest and be direct. I know you do that very well in a very professional, pragmatic way is just give them the reality of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, a whole number of challenges and I mean, we're seeing here in Florida just with the humidity, um, this first crop was not a successful crop. Um, very few are, are, are harvesting and having success right now. Um, I have seen some, uh, harvest that have had some success, but really this, these first few harvests, I tell people this should be really an R and D harvest. You're trying to figure out what strains are growing well, what methodologies to use um, and really just get your ducks in a row. But like I said, if people are expecting to make wild profits on this first harvest, uh, they're, they're, they're up for a a rude awakening. For sure. For sure. Well, it's been a little bit grim, but don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. Come back with Dustin Robinson. We're going to talk about some really exciting things that are happening. There's really some positive developments and uh, a lot of good stuff that you guys are going to want to hear. So don't go anywhere. This is Doc Rob, your concierge for better living right after this break. We'll be right back. The Concierge for Better Living will continue in a moment. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, all right. So we are wrapping up this show with Dustin Robinson, this part one, I believe, of what we're talking about. Because today I wanted to focus on cannabis. And, uh, you know, we've been doing this for several years. There's a lot of years to go. And I'm excited to be on this journey with you, brother. Um, But, you know, like I said, there's things that we're going to see shift and change. You know, as far as Florida goes, you know, I definitely see in the near future an adult use you know, legalization. There's a lot of states. You know, we had a great successful election in 2020 around cannabis and, and drug you know, legalization or decriminalization. How do you, in a, in a short summary, where do you see Florida as some of the key highlights in the, in the near future? Well, you mentioned that that you like that Arizona kept medical for quite some time. And, and I feel the same way about Florida. Not, not only the fact that they have medical, but also that they've created a vertically integrated structure. I know a lot of people don't like this vertical integration structure, but I think for purposes of it, it served its purpose. I think we're now ready for horizontal, but I think it served its purpose. And what people don't realize is that what the vertical integration did in Florida, and Florida is the only state that requires a licensee to be fully vertically integrated. I think Arizona originally did. Yeah, right. Exactly. Early days, and so, yeah. And so, and so, and so, what the uh, the intent is 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 at the end of the day, the DOH, the the agency that oversees this program, they have limited resources. Number one, so so for to deal with one licensee that's handling the whole supply chain, much easier from a resource perspective. And then number two, this is a new product that was being launched into Florida. Um, so it was important that if there were any problems from the consumer, if the product had mold or or a consumer had a bad problem, um, it was they were able to track it back to the seed so that they could destroy that entire lot. Um, and when you're dealing with a fully vertically integrated company and you know that you purchased from company A's retail store and got sick, 
you're more easily able to track back that company A is the one that produced it and you can destroy that lot. But at this point, I think it served its purpose and we're ready for horizontal. So currently we have 22 licensees here in Florida, all have a fully vertically integrated license. There's a Florida Supreme Court case, the Florida grown case, uh, that's challenging that vertical integration structure. Um, my best guess is that in December, this coming month, I think the Supreme, the Florida Supreme Court will rule. I think they're gonna overrule the and reverse the lower courts, um, and which means that they're gonna find that vertical integration is constitutional. I think what you're going to see is that the Department of Health will open up applications a couple months later. Uh, and I believe they're gonna have about 11 licenses available. I think they'll probably have about 10,000 applications. I just, did, <laughs> yeah. I just did a lot of applications in uh, in Illinois and there were like 4,000 applications and they only picked like 15 winners. So, right. you know, I know a lot of people are waiting for these applications to open up, but please understand it will be extremely, extremely competitive uh, when it does open up. So assuming that that's the way the Florida Supreme Court goes, there'll probably be 11 licenses available. Then when we hit um, you know, our next, when we hit 500,000 patients, we'll get another four licenses. So for every 100,000, they're supposed to bring uh, four more licenses on, on board. So um, that's what I foresee. I think in 2022, I think we're going to see recreational uh, be passed here through a const constitutional ballot. I think that, you know, what people don't realize is once that gets passed, it takes time for the yeah. legislator to draft a statute, for rules to be established, um, for applications to come out. So, you know, even if it gets passed in 2022, uh, probably won't see the industry um, actually operating in probably 2023 um, as recreational. So I see tremendous opportunity here in Florida right now. Um, they just passed edible rules. So, you know, all the companies are starting to, to get their variances in to uh, produce edibles. Uh, we all know back in June 2019 when they passed smokable flour that we saw a huge boost in sales from, from, from that perspective. And look, we have a population of over 20 million in Florida and we have over 150 million tourists. So these licensees that are building out this, in, in, this infrastructure with an unlimited amount of dispensaries, at this point, the, the cap has, has sunset. So there's no cap with dispensaries. So these 22 licensees are opening up as many stores as possible because they are preparing for that adult use to be passed in the next two to three years. Right. And they will then have a total available market of the 120 million tourists, or I mean, I, I assume a good amount of those are not adults. So right. maybe it's not 120 million, maybe it's, it's, it's 70, 80 million tourists that are coming into Florida. So tremendous opportunities. And I'm, I'm excited to see how it all develops here in Florida. Yeah, me too. And especially again, we haven't considered, you know, if there's a federal change, you know, that's a whole nother conversation, how that'll affect the states and where they're at in different levels. But again, I appreciate you sharing that insight about Florida. Uh, I'm excited about it, you know, and uh, obviously for me, I, I would I hope that any future rulings, there's a limited number of five, six plant home grow rights, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. But I always advocate for the, the individual's ability to grow or right to grow a few plants for their own personal use. Um, but 
that'll be a whole other conversation down the road. We'll have you back on for that. We're going to wrap up today with Dustin Robinson uh, talking about cannabis, Mr. Cannabis Law. We are going to have a continued conversation, though, with Dustin about psychedelics and other areas. So don't go anywhere. We're going to take a break. And if you don't uh, connected here. Look for the one for Mr. Psychedelic Law. A lot of good information about to come. Uh, thank you so much, Dustin, for sharing this insight on cannabis. We're going to have you back on and keep us posted. Uh, and as everyone out there, as always, I wish everyone all the best in health and happiness. Take care and be well. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure, of course. Take care. expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.